0: This podcast is brought to you by Pragmatic Solutions, the leading iGaming PAM platform with a modular approach, including many benefits like a fast, secure, and scalable API-based platform integrated with all major third-party products and services. Make sure you head over to Pragmatic Solutions and join our smart thinking.
1: This podcast is brought to you by Pragmatic Play. A leading game developer providing player favorites to the most successful brands across the industry. With an award-winning multi-product portfolio of slots,
0: live casino, bingo, virtual sports, and more, Pragmatic Play is powering up new possibilities of play through one single API. Visit pragmaticplay.com and discover your
1: favorite every time.
0: All right, Mark. So I want to just start this podcast by telling the story of the first time I met you, uh, which was at the YOLO retreat of 2021, I believe, 2021. Mm-hmm. And um, so this is the YOLO partner event where all the um, subsidiary companies, all the partners are invited, uh, about 100 people for a couple of days of activities, learning and so on and so forth. And um, that event, they announced a person of the event. And the person of the event was Mark Taffler, <laughs> and I would say I would think that that is at the top of your resume this, uh, these days. The Yolo Partner Person of the Year
1: 2021. Oh, yeah, I mean it was it was very surprising and humbling. I, I don't know quite what I did to deserve it, but yeah, it was it was a lovely gesture, and I got a signed cricket bat for it. So yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. No, it was a great, great event that as well. Yeah. Really good fun.
0: Yeah, it's become a staple now, right? It's it's very every, much so, yeah. Every year we look forward to it and mm. it's getting better and better and Yolo managed to pull together some of the most interesting people
1: yeah, well, in the industry. Who was the guy we was we saw this year? It was the guy from... Oh, uh, from uh, from Shazam. No, Shazam. No, 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 yes, yes, it was Shazam. Was it Shazam? Yeah, it was. Yeah, Sh- yeah, yeah. Shazam. Or... The uh, founder of yeah, Shazam. Yeah, the founder of
0: Shazam. That's yeah. how it was. Yeah. Yeah. Chris uh, something. Yeah, it, that yeah. was really good. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Every it's every
1: ironic, day. really, because at that time when I when I met you there, I yeah. was working at one of the investments from YOLO, Green Jade. Right. And then now I'm on, on the other side of the fence. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You got blooded uh, teeth uh, there. Yeah, it exactly. Came, jumped over the fence. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Life comes at you fast. Yeah, yeah, that's for <laughs> <true about, yeah. laughs> So, so Mark, it's been, it's been great since then to, to get to know you uh, more and more, of course, and uh, you know, we've we kind of been in the same sphere for for a number of years, and I've built up a tremendous amount of respect for, for yourself and uh, the, the, the way you conduct yourself at the, the event. You're incredible at building relationships at the event and, and expanding that network, and you're one of those people that are just very nice to be around. So, I'm just very happy to have you here on the podcast, first and foremost, uh, today, Mark. But, um, Today, we, the, the topic of today is um, addiction, uh, actually, and um, even though, you know, the last couple of years when I've known you, uh, Mark, I've, uh, you know, seen you in the best possible light, but you've talked about recently now that uh, you have a past that is quite different from uh, how it uh, how it is today, so can you just start to talk about your own journey from falling into substance uh, addictions to uh, perhaps uh, how you managed to take yourself out of that spiral. Can can you tell the story from the beginning until today? <laughs> <laughs> I'll certainly try. We have time.
1: Okay, yes. good. Okay, great. Uh, well, thank you firstly for your kind words, Pierre, and, and I feel the same uh, for you. I've got a huge yeah. respect for you and, you know, I really enjoy it when we when we spend time together. You know, we end up sort of jump bumping into each other yeah. at conferences and yeah. dinners. I and, love it. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm I'm always watching what you do. So this this is uh this is really lovely for me to be here as well. Yeah. Pleasure. Um so thank you for giving me the platform because I think what's really important, <clears throat> you know, the one thing that I would like for one at just one person maybe that happens to see this is to know that there's a different way and that life doesn't have to be dark. And, and hopeless, you know, there there are, there are millions of cases of people who manage to live with, you know, addiction in their lives and, and not have to succumb to it. Um, <clears throat> you know, and, and today, you know, I'm, I'm one of the people that is lucky enough to be leading that journey. So you know, for me, this is a, a message of hope to anybody who's struggling um, and anyone out there who doesn't think that, who thinks they're alone. Um, because, you know, if I turn the clock back, I, I had a normal life. I, you know, I was a kid, grew up in London, you know, then moved just outside of London. Um, and maybe in retrospect, my parents had an, an inkling, inkling that I was slightly different because they moved many miles away from London uh, as they saw London getting a little bit rough. You know, and I think that they would have I would have been safer. In, in in a quieter location, um, you know, and, and very typical upbringing, very typical, you know, no abuse, no nothing like that, you know, but and I find everything is retrospective, um, you know, as I look back on things, I can now see signs and signals and what have you. And I think today, if I were to be 15 today, I probably would be diagnosed with with maybe ADHD or, or uh, autism or something like that. And, you know, I, I was only reflecting on this over the weekend that, you know, I used to have an inability to sit still, you know, and I was always playing a tune on my fingers or counting, you know, counting beats to songs or, you know, kicking, you know, with my feet. Um, and I had kind of a general dis-ease with myself and the world around me um <clears throat> you know I, I was slightly rebellious at school perhaps you know slightly uh over the top um but it was when I was probably 14 and you know the rite of passage of a young boy is to go and drink in the park with friends right um, <clears throat> and and the, the drink of choice at the time was Thunderbird. I don't know if you're aware of Thunderbird. No, I haven't heard of it. Was a... No, it's probably best that you don't. <laughs> it was a good, good thing, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Thund- Thunderbird was this um, fortified wine. So it was like a 16% sort of drink, but it was a wine thing.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. It was absolutely feral. Um, and um, I just have a vivid memory, you know, we were in the park, we were 14 and, and we were drinking it and it's like my life changed. You know it's like everything made sense um oh, well you know the the overriding <clears throat> uncomfortability that I'd had in my own skin up until that point disappeared well. um and I thought that's it. this is the magic elixir of life. I found it well. um and you know even that night, all my friends you know had a little bit to drink and and played a bit silly and and I ended the night you know somewhere in a bush being sick you know and and woke up feeling horrific, but knowing very well that I was going to do it again, because that feeling that it gave me was was wonderful. It was the solution, yes. 100%, 100%, it was the solution. Um, You know, and that was probably the start. Um, You know, so I think my, my point here is that I, there was nothing that happened to me in my upbringing that was a trigger. You know, and I think I spent a lot of time and and we hear a lot of people talk about, you know, we have to look at the root cause of things and we have to understand the whys in order to be able to deal with the core problem. Um, And that very premise, that very sort of thought process, I think, stopped me from finding the solution and getting well for probably 20 years because I lived in and out of psychiatrists and trying to find out what was wrong with me, what was wrong with me because I felt different to how everybody looked. And I know that that's, that sounds slightly counterintuitive, but I was always comparing my insides to everybody else's outsides. Right, classic
0: thing to do, I think. Right,
1: yeah. not realizing that they probably have their own things as well, right? They think the same way, yeah. And, well, yeah, certainly, you know, and now I know a good yeah. proportion of people do, and, and that's why it's so important for me, you know, uh, we we hear a lot about mental illness today and, and, you know, there needing to be a, a, an openness about discussing it. But in my opinion, in my experience, you know, addiction is something that still falls by the wayside and, and has a bit of a stigma attached to it. Um, but def- by definition, it is an illness, you know, the, the, the NHS view it as an illness and it, and it comes with treatment plans and et cetera. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, my, my, my journey, if you will, during my abuse as such was was not exciting you know the, i meet people and the discussion comes "Oh, why aren't you drinking and you know and i don't i don't hide it i say yeah, i'm in recovery uh oh well, you know blah, oh how much did you used to drink did you drink every day did yeah. you drink vodka and breakfast right. you know do you sit in them rooms round like in the films you yeah, know and, yeah, yeah. and and i and i think my role um, it is to kind of break that, that stereotype, um, you know, and, and I wasn't drinking vodka at breakfast, you know, I wasn't. I, I had a degree. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd worked for my boyhood football club, Chelsea, um, very successfully. I'd, I'd run my own business very successfully. Um, <clears throat> I was working for a very large blue chip uh, handset manufacturer. At the time, you know, my career was in 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 its ascendancy.
0: Right. So as, uh, at the same time as the, you had that other side. Let's say you were functioning in your day to day.
1: Exactly, and and that was one of the things that I was like, well, you know, there's nothing wrong. I'm
0: yeah, exactly. You know, look
1: at me. I'm I'm driving around in a Mercedes. You know, I'm doing all this cool stuff, and you know, I just always felt very very ill. Um, and I think that the again with hindsight. I, I always felt worse when I had no drink inside of me, you know, um, whether it be the anxiety, the palpitations, um, you know, and you speak to anyone and it, oh, well, that's because of, but it, it's not, it's not because of the drinking that I had those conditions. It that those conditions were omnipotent within me that I drank to get rid of them. Yeah. If that makes sense yeah, to mask them. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. To, to feel normal. Yeah. Um, you know the, the the definition of of um <clears throat> excuse me of of addiction you know in any sense is that if once you start whatever substance it might be or whatever behavior that you are unable to stop of your own volition right um you know if 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 you were to be given a you know a, a drink just have that one mm.
0: and <laughs> Know, it's like yeah it's like the craving of taking another one over, exactly overrides yeah anything else right
1: it? and and that's like you know there's kind of three elements to to addiction there's the mental uh, craving uh the physical addiction so that means so is the mental obsession sorry the, the rule you think about is this solution that you found which which gives you peace right you know prior to finding the solution to the to the peace your your life is chaotic it's it's unmanageable completely unmanageable um uh, and once you take a drink peace comes but but then your body it actually digests alcohol a lot differently to an to a non-alcoholic okay and and you become you you have a physical craving
0: yeah
1: um and i think it's is the only way i can liken it is to smokers you know, smokers crave the nicotine from a cigarette, which is why they smoke. It's the addictive substance within a cigarette. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, I have to. Yeah. Otherwise, something bad's going to happen. I need to have that drink.
0: Right. Minutes feel like seconds feel like minutes
1: and so on and so forth. Exactly. Um. <clears throat> and, and it then starts to consume everything, you know, because then, you know, physiologically, you become uh, able to drink more. So right. you do. And and then, you know, then tolerance goes up. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and and also alcohol. To when you are an alcoholic and you go t- cold turkey, it is quite dangerous. I think even to uh, to to cut alcohol as, as an alcoholic because the, um, uh, the 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 consequences of that can be quite bad in itself on a physical level. I think it can kill you. Yeah, you can die um, from stop as an alcoholic to stop drink alcohol. You die. Can, can, you can kill die. you. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, it's ironic to say the least. Right. Um, but no, I mean, I, you know, I had that once when I went to a rehab and and I had to be detoxed, uh, from the alcohol slowly, uh, in order that I wasn't dying, you know? Um, but it's, the cycle just, just continues. Right. And, you know, I didn't realize what I was and I'm out there searching for answers, you know, and, and in. Uh, you know, in 12 Step Recovery, there's a book that we use. Um, and in there, there's a chapter where it lists out all of the things that an active alcoholic has tried to do in order to convince themselves that they weren't alcoholic. Right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> this thing was written in 1935, right? Yeah. And there I am in in 2000 and whatever it was when I first got sober, reading it and just aghast, you know, it's, we, we, we drunk only white drinks. So no red wine, no rum. You know, uh, we 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 didn't drink at work. We didn't drink on weekends. Um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. All these things, and I, and I did them all. We 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 took a <laughs> trip. You know, the amount of times I'm I'm going to Thailand to find myself. Right. Ugh, yeah. It's so banal looking back, but right. you know, I'm in I'm in right. that situation. You know. Yeah. I, I sort of go off and I do a 30 day you know vinyasa meditation retreat in Goa and. Yeah. You know get myself hair braided when i had hair and you know like (laughs) i come back and i'm fixed you know and and, until the slightest life challenge comes and that's it i'm back to it right um you know so during this whole period in in my life you know this 20 plus years you know i've got kind of two full-time jobs right well, one is one is working and earning money and the other one is is well it's actually three the other one is drinking and, and feeling rough and the other one is convincing myself that I'm not an alcoholic
0: right you know but it's kind of so you're saying that uh, in in one sense you are trying to convince yourself that you're not an alcoholic because of this and this and that you are able to function <laughs> you're able to work and therefore this uh, behavior is somewhat uh, acceptable let's say but on the other hand it sounds like there was always in the back of your mind. Uh, it sounds almost like you knew because you were trying. You you did go to Thailand or whatever. You you did realize that there was a problem at the same time, right? But maybe that voice was a bit weaker than the voice that was trying to um, uh, act, to accept the behavior.
1: You're absolutely right. You know, there was blatantly something wrong. I knew there was something wrong, but I think the biggest fear was that I didn't know what was wrong. All right. Um, there is obviously um a, a conditioned defense of the tools that you use to make yourself feel okay you know which was the booze so I, no i i'm i'm not an alcoholic i you know i i suffer with this mental condition that mental condition the other mental condition um the reality was none of those things right absolutely none of those things you know yeah um and and no no matter how many um you know, medical professionals that I saw, um, you know, prescriptions that I was written, and and let's let's be very clear, all of the medical professionals I saw, I lied to, um, because I didn't want them to tell me to stop drinking. So
0: you you proactively went to them, but then when you sat down with them, you cho- you chose not to tell the full Of course,
1: hundred percent. Right? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Absolutely, because I know. i know what the problem is right yeah yeah, but you know i how much do you drink um what's what what's the unit allowance for a week yeah uh well you see what i do right there's always a story yeah (laughs) what i do is right so i save it up and so i don't drink in the week and i save it up and then i have it all on a friday and a saturday that's all right right you know that's okay to do Yeah. yeah always looking for someone to tell me that i was okay
0: Right. You wanted to get the validation that it wasn't as bad as you might have thought yourself. Exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah, completely.
0: Um,
1: But, you know, (laughs) it's just, I mean, it's ludicrous when I think about it now. (laughs) Um, And then on the 20, well, 25th of July, uh, 2013, that was the back end of of what was quite a, a monumental bender, as, as it's called, um, and I, you know, actively took an attempt at my own life, um, because I'd been to these medical professionals and had been given medication. You know, my 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 cupboard looked like a, a you know, a, one of the counter displays at Boots. Um, and you know I'd been out and you know drinking and drugging and and I took everything I had in my house yeah. um and I wanted to die. you know it was that dark um and prior to that again, only with hindsight, the only thing that kept me going was the knowledge that I could check out at any time on my own terms, yeah. you know having. The only piece you know it's pretty tragic when you realize that the only piece of control you have left in your life is that you can take your own life
0: yeah i was gonna say like that that's the uh, that's the control that you felt that you yeah. have that you were lacking uh, yeah. in your day-to-day exactly yeah, yeah, yeah exactly
1: yeah. um so you know i came around in hospital a couple of days later um and that was it believe it or not i was i was done you know and
0: yeah.
1: it was work bottom yeah hmm. without question yeah. i mean I'd been into rehabs prior to that, and I would tried 12-step recovery, and I would tried all the stuff, but, you know, I was denying it. I just didn't want to accept. I was very, very scared because I didn't know another way to live. You know, I had no experience of living in any way, shape, or form without my my best mate, alcohol, you know, Um, any situation. It doesn't matter what it would be, you know, good, bad, indifferent, drink would be there. And it's the thing that made me, made that knot in my stomach disappear. Um, and, you know, when I came around in hospital, I just knew, you know, some people maybe say it's a moment of, of a higher power talking to them. And, you know, I don't want to get too on that tip. But, you know, for me, it was. I, I had no doubts about what my next moves were. Right. You know, I, th- there was no question. It was the most clear I've ever been about anything. Were you surprised when you woke up? I should be honest with you. When I first came around, I was like, "Oh fuck, I can't even do that properly."
0: Uh, yeah, that was my thought. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah, I can't even can't even kill myself properly. Like yeah. I'm, I, you know, that's it. I'm I'm useless. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I knew I knew what I had to do. You know, I knew, um, and and that was, you know, to change everything. Nothing changes if nothing changes, right? You know, and and. Gone, gone were the times for me to do these kind of transient shifts in my life where I'd move country or location where I lived or change small, small micro changes you know this this needed to be wholesale and it needed to start with me because I was the problem um, not not because of anything that I'd done but I had this this affliction that, that I believe I was born with um, and I had to address it and I didn't know how to you know I had no idea how to and and, and you know this isn't bemoaning any of the the you know uh, institutional medical professionals or, or you know no one knew anything about addiction when I was growing up you know I grew up in a, in a different time you know um, no one knew anything about it you know you this were these were the days when the doctor would just tell you to take a paracetamol and stop moaning you know that that was You know, so much for the good British stiff upper lip, right? (laughs) You know, what's wrong with you, boy? You know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. tough it up, tough it up, ridiculous. You need to grow up, you'll be fine when you're 20. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, you grow out of it, Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Um, and, um, and yeah, so that, that then was the start of my, of, of, of what's been the best part of my whole entire life, right without a shadow of doubt you know and it starts with me as in i'm the problem um i suffer from an addiction and what that means to me is that i am unable to to consume anything that changes uh, my state of mind um whether that be drink drugs whatever it might be you know there there are i believe and i could be wrong you know 250 addictions that are, that that qualify for addiction yeah um you know where you are unable to stop once you've started uh, of your own volition right um but you know the learnings that i've gained from being in recovery have enabled me to finally taste that peace that i was searching for from alcohol you know um and i say taste because life is life (laughs) you know um but I'm able to function today as a as a decent member of society um, to the best of my abilities, um, but I have to do the work I have to do the work daily yeah you know um, and you know the the if you if you wanted to kind of give psychological markers to what an addict is, addicts are scared they're petrified of everything fear um, in our literature it tells us it's it's almost like stealing fear to us because it causes more trouble um you know we're we're scared of what's going to happen when we don't know we're scared of what did happen because of the potential consequences we're scared of everything um and that living with that fear it, it then manifests in other ways normally anger anger isn't an emotion it's a reaction that masks fear um or embarrassment you know one of the two um Resentment is—they is, say—it's the number one offender with addicts. You know, so if, if you're walking around, well, that person did this to me, and now well, I'm going to get them back in this way, yeah. and you—you know—you might as well die. Is, yeah. you know, and and selfishness as well, um, yeah. and and trying to have one's own will and exert that onto those around you, yeah. um, it, it's it's unhealthy for an addict. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's unhealthy for anyone, but yeah. Um,
0: can <clears throat> you can you talk, uh, uh, Mark? So uh, it started with the first drink at 14. You know, you realized that you reacted differently, uh, perhaps than uh, than your friends reacted to uh, to their first drink. Can you talk about going from there to? kind of when the um, addiction manifested in negative ways, let's say, like when you started to go too far and uh, what in in what way did it manifest? uh, uh, And do you have any examples of like perhaps in the beginning and then also maybe some more extreme situations that happened to you?
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, unfortunately it's all pretty droll um you know there, there was a lot of fun i won 't lie about that you know there was there was a lot of trips around Europe watching football um you know and and falling asleep during the Champions League final against Manchester United, which was good because we lost and uh, <laughs> thank it yeah exactly um you know and and you know for for many years being told about what happened during the football uh because i 'd have no memory of it oh. um to <clears throat> you know just downright stupidness but but i believe that if you put enough drink or substances in any human being they will act in a stupid ways um you know the 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 fights the you know the the stupidness that comes with it you know but towards the very end it was me in my flat on my own just drinking yeah drinking at home yep Mm -hmm. just on my own because people didn't want me around they didn't want me around anymore i was really boring you know, I'd normally get thrown out by a bouncer. Then they'd have to look after me all night. Yeah. Um, I, I was no they didn't want no one wanted to be with me. Yeah. And of course, the the other dichotomy is that you shut out the people that really love you. You know, so my mum was, was shut from my life for fifteen years. Not as in I never saw her, but I never told her what I was doing. Right. I never she never really felt what was going on in my life because it was all a facade. Yeah. Because my life was a tragic, boring me on the sofa hammered yeah you know um and you know that's kind of the reality of it um you know i mean (laughs) that this this this, this funny stories just come to my mind actually um when i worked at chelsea and and this is an example of how the alcohol could could enable me to be more confident and cheeky okay so We we went out. I went out, and I I used to get with the players quite a lot. And I went out this one night with John Terry and Ida Good Johnson. We went for a meal in um, in Chelsea, and uh, Peter Kenyon had just signed as the CEO of the club, and um, the lads sent him over a bottle of wine to the table. Listen to me, the lads like that's like they call each other like one of them not really, (laughs) and um, of course I you know I was showing off and trying to drink with them, but obviously drinking more um and in the end i went over to peter kenya's table i don't know who it's with he could have been closing a deal for didier drogba for all i know and the last thing he wants is this little fat kid coming over to him hammered <laughs> so i walked over to him and i said hi peter i'm mark i work at chelsea he said yes i know who you are <laughs> <laughs> So you know, th- th- these are the kind of things that that are potentially career inhibiting. You know, yeah. that, that don't happen anymore, fortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, one of the things that um, a therapist, well, not a therapist, well, yeah, an alcohol counselor, he 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 got me straight away. You know, with with this addict, I speak only for myself, not not the general masses. <clears throat> we're a very we're juxtaposed, right? As in we come across as being supremely confident mm-hmm. very arrogant almost but realistically we're vacuous empty frightened kids you know so that that front it it hides you know what's really going on right and this guy he was like yeah he didn't say anything you know these people these people that come into my life and and it's only when i have a moment of clarity so i look back and go wow you're good you know like you're smart and and it's these sorts of little things that I try and pick up and take with me into my daily life. You know, the way these sort of little micro engagements that you have with people that right. you think oh, that's really good.
0: Yeah.
1: And he said to me, um, I suggest not go, not must go, not do. I suggest, you know, that you go to this, this, this session in Guildford, you know, in the, just outside of London. It's, it's tonight, 7.30, here's the address. So of course... Mm, yeah. Okay. i got nothing else to do. For some reason I went and, uh, I walk in, it's this beautiful, massive old country house, hmm. right? It's got like an open fireplace, you know, big wooden panels, every, what you'd think is typical English country houses. Right. And I'm late to the meeting because I was late to everything. You know, because I was so important that people had to wait for me, right? Right. You know, I couldn't have the good manners to come a little bit earlier on time. I'd be late, cause a scene, everyone noticed me, right? And, um, I sit down and, you know, there's a big room and I look to the right of me and there's Eric Clapton and I look to the left of me and there's Ringo Starr. Oh. (laughs) And I was like, no. Okay. Okay. (laughs) okay fair enough you know that was just one of those things that he was saying to me you are shit on a shoe pal you're nothing you think you're big time you know you think you you've you've lived he said you've not done anything but he had to show me via another way you know and it was beautiful you know that moment where i realized how insignificant i was in real terms (laughs) right you know, and I don't say that out of false, false pride or, you know, you know, false hum- humility, it's true. These two guys are legends. Right. Yet they're in there being humble, even though they're super famous. Um, you know, and, and, and it really dawned on me that, okay, I have to get rid of my ego. My ego mm-hmm. is the problem here because it's the thing that's stopping me from getting well. Um, and then on the flip side... When I first uh, started to really invest in getting well and going to 12 step fellowship meetings, this was in a place called Corby uh, in the Midlands in England. And Corby was an overspill from Glasgow, strangely, back in the 60s when they, they, they built some um, uh, quarries and mills and stuff. And the, the, the Glaswegians came down. And there was still a large population of Glaswegians that, in Corby. And so I go in there, you know, I'm this sort of cocky sort of pseudo londoner you know and i walk in and, and i still remember it the first time this guy after the meeting he comes up to me he goes all right marky see you you have get your ego to fuck pal <laughs> see your ego that's gonna kill you it's like we hadn't even spoken two words <laughs> i didn't even know his name but like that that's what i was emitting yeah, you yeah, know exactly. from me that 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 it must have been this prickly energy that i was right. emitting and they recognize that obviously yeah. from their own experiences and so and yeah. and that pierre is an extremely good point you recognize it. there's a term if you spot it you've got it right you know and if you see a quality in someone that makes you go uh, there's a good chance that you also have that quality, and you don't like it in yourself. Right. You know. So I'm grateful to, to that guy. Uh, you know, he became a mentor to me and, and and helped me through my early years of recovery. So I'm very grateful to him. Yeah. Um, can Can you talk more about so, when you had
0: uh, the episode of trying to take your own life, and you had the epiphany of uh, now it's time to to change. So you go into the 12-step uh, program. Can you talk about that process in itself? Um, what, like, through that process, what what made you uh, get to a point of genuine change? Because you had went before, right, and you hadn't been able to kick the addiction. What was it that uh, made you succeed that
1: mm. time? Um, <clears throat> it's a phrase that I've heard and, and I I subscribe to, is I was given the gift of desperation, and it is a gift. Trust me. Um, I was broken, you know, and I think being suicidal is, is not the way that you start a normal conversation. <laughs> but like being suicidal is not something you can explain to someone unless they've been that way. Um, it's not a, a mindset that you can explain. It's, it's inexplicable. You You can only describe it as grey and empty and hollow and black. You know, everything that is negative that you could possibly associate with wanting no longer to be alive. It's that. It's like, um, if you have never had a panic attack, you can't explain it to someone. you have to have had it in order to understand that feeling. Um, and And yeah, I was desperate because my 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 the way I wanted to approach it didn't work. <laughs> so I, I had no choices left, right? You know, I thought I had choices, and that was to 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 end my life, but, but I didn't have choices anymore because that hadn't worked. So I was desperate. You know, I used to say if someone had have told me that I had to jump up or down on one leg and eat biscuits all day, I would have done it <laughs> as long as I didn't have to feel like I did anymore. Oh. You know, the, the our addiction is, is 1% the substance that you end up choosing. And most addicts, again, I speak for myself, cross addict, you know, it, it will be anything, right? It doesn't matter what it is. As long as it stops you feeling the way that you don't like to feel, then you'll do it.
0: Right. And that can be uh, anything from alcohol to gambling, for example. Yeah.
1: Anything, right? Yeah, with, with, with drugs and everything in between, right? Right. So it, it's a, it's a whole, whole spectrum of the same shit, basically. And you'll do whatever you need to do to feel however you need to feel because you come very adept at fighting the outside world and, and, and forming a, a safe shell of numbness. Um, that enables you to live you know in a way that you feel is acceptable but it's not acceptable so yeah. um, to, to come back to your question what was it it was the gift of desperation right um, <clears throat> you had no other
0: choice basically. Nothing. there was, wasn't anything else no
1: yeah. I would love to to say you know that it was the love and support of my friends or it was no longer wishing to hurt my mum you know or it was wishing to be a good partner that that would be lies it wasn't <laughs> It wasn't that cognizant. It was the fact that I was just desperate. Yep. I no longer wanted to feel that rock in my solar plexus and the palpitations and the cold sweats and the negativity and the, the confusion. I I genuinely at times thought that I was mentally unwell, like, like properly, yeah. the thought processes that I had. And then I have uh, these moments when I go into a room of of other people who wish to try and recover from their addictions. And they're not talking about what it is that they drank or used or how bad they got or when they did it. They're talking about how they felt. And that's one of the most unbelievable feelings you can possibly imagine. That when you're sat with a stranger, you yeah. come from different walks of life. You know, it might be a, a woman in her 80s. It might be a, a guy in whatever. But they're saying something that you recognize. I mean, that's, that's I was like, what? I was, almost there was a point where i was like hang on hang on where's my mum like this has been set up right <laughs> you know
0: that is like the, the, the same uh, kind of story is coming from a lot of people yeah. yeah
1: like how it's candid camera you've all been paid to be it, right yeah. <laughs> but how are you saying what i'm feeling yeah. like we've never met like right. you we, you know we couldn't be from more different places but you're saying the stuff that that i feel and and that was it i was sold yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, so I have a, a, a question for you. Um, so I, it's interesting that you had to, and I suppose this is um, from fairly reoccurring story, I suppose that um, many addicts, they hit rock bottom in order to then move to a journey of, of feeling better. Mm. But if you would go back in hindsight and look at um, uh, when you navigated your addiction, w- would there have been any other way for you to... Exit the addiction or to get control of the addiction other than hitting rock bottom. Do you think
1: For for me? No Yeah um, Because that was my journey um, and I tried you know, I tried the yeah. the running away. I tried the fitness you know, I'd <clears throat> I'd go I'd set myself tasks yeah. I go like three months, I'm not drinking because like that, I can prove that I'm not, I'm not an addict.
0: Right. That, that, that's like, that's, a, that's a, such a typical thing to do, right? right. Dry January or whatever. Because, yeah. you know, I can do it. So yeah. that
1: must be okay. So yes. I've done it. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Now we can go back to drinking. <laughs> then. Twice as hard. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Yes. Um, but no, I do that. I do it all. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd get to whatever, you know, right. I've had enough. I'm going. This, and so I would get a personal trainer and I'd be in the gym twice a day. I'd never do anything in a consistent, consistent, sustainable way. Twice a day in the gym with a personal trainer. I mean, what are you doing? You know, it's lunacy. Um, to come out the other side, feeling relatively well, healthily, physically, but still being inside, just not just, just numb, you know, like mm, yeah. still not finding that thing that satiates me. Yeah. Um, so then you go back to it.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but, but w- w- once again, Mark, you know, um, w- would you say that there are many different forms of uh, addiction and how they manifest? So so again, for you, you had to hit rock bottom mm. in order to get on a better path. Mm. Um, is that the same for most people who are addicted to substances or to or to gambling or anything else? Or does it manifest in different ways for different people?
1: It does manifest in different ways. You're absolutely right. And, and you know, I've seen people who have managed to get well and maintain their wellness without having hit what... But everyone's rock bottom is, is different, right? You know, not everyone has to go to my rock bottom. Oh. Um, and probably some people have been lower than my rock bottom, if that makes any sense. And right. I think it's all very, very subjective, yeah. um, you know, but but that's part of everyone's different journey. So I've met people who can, who can come in and, and, and not have much wrong in their lives, ostensibly. Yeah. But they're still desperate because it's hurting them enough, yeah. Yeah. you know? So their rock bottom is different to my rock bottom.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but But my experience is that unless you've hit something then I haven't seen people manage to to, to maintain. Right,
0: because it is the, um, I suppose, the motivation or whatever you want to call it. To when you get to that point, to
1: never want to mm. hit that point again. Because yeah. uh, uh, what I see is a lot of times, it, people come in because of someone else. Right. They, they 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 try to get well because a a partner or a parent or a child or or whatever it is is begging them. Yeah. And, you know, please don't do it anymore, daddy. Please don't do it anymore, mate. Please don't do it anymore, sweetheart. Yeah. And th- they go to, say, to to appease the request from the loved one.
0: Right. And that's not sustainable. Mm-mm. Right, It has no. to come from...
1: No. And it's actually worse because what happens is then you create a resentment against that person Yeah. for making making you. Uh, right. all right Making you get well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You, you're, you're just getting in the way of my fun. Yeah.
0: You know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it becomes an obstacle. <laughs>
1: yeah. And then as we... Said earlier, you know, resentment's the number one offender. So you've got someone who's not well, resentful against someone they love. I mean, it's a cocktail for for disaster, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I I
0: also want to ask you, uh, Mark. You know, it must be difficult, uh, perhaps, to recognise that uh, that you are in a unsustainable kind of um, lifestyle, because I, I can just say, you know, moving to Malta 12 years ago as a as a fairly young uh, guy. The culture here was very much, everything is focused on the uh, parties, right, so uh, uh, several times a week it's pretty standard, pretty normal that everyone goes out to get smashed and uh, then we, we go to work on Monday and we laugh about it and we plan the next weekend's uh, drinking activities and the uh, the culture very much kind of revolves around the drinking uh, uh, here. and. What happens through that is that it becomes normalized, right? So no one stands out in, uh, as such. But sometimes we would say to each other like, just like think about it for a bit, you know, where I'm grown up in a little village in Sweden, uh, you know, 3000 people, if any one of us would have this behavior in this village, they would be recognized as the village alcoholic, right? Because it's a different context, Yeah. <laughs> but it's the same behavior. Mm. Um, so I wonder a bit how much um, of the problem is also that you perhaps start seeking yourself to groups or to individuals mm. that are displaying the same behavior for in, in a way where you just feel like you are part of the group, let's say, and and uh, to to kind of
1: mask the actual mm. uh, problem. I mean, you're right. You know, the cultural yeah. piece is is is, a, is, a, is definitely a contributing factor. However. I think unless unless you are an addict, you can mix with whoever you want and it won't you won't get to that stage. You know, I know, let's say. You know, I, I mean, you, you talk about the little village and the village that I ended up growing in, they were all like that.
0: <laughs> so It's different villages. Yeah, yeah. Different that, culture. That was
1: a really, yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. Sweden is much more civilized than, than the Midlands <laughs> in England, I'm, I'm sure.
0: I'd, 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 I'd beg to differ in some instances. But, <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but no, I mean, you know, you, you can get carried along by the tide, right? You can knock around with a bad crowd. Um, well, I think we've all done that. You know, right. and I think there's an element of the human condition, which means that we as we go through life trying to find out who we are to find our identity, we, we take a peek into lots of different social circles to see whether we fit into that, um, you know, and, and that might be sitting at the top table in, in luxurious surroundings, drinking, you know, uh, 60 old, 60 year old Petrus. You know, but justifying it because it's sixty-year-old Petrus at twenty-four grand a bottle, yeah. you know, or in 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 the in the doldrums, uh, drinking, you know, a can of Chisk. It, it, it's not, you know, I don't believe, and my experience doesn't tell me that it's anything to do with the crowd you associate with. Yeah. You know, you, you if you are of the type of addict that I am, you will find your way irrespective of the people around you. Yeah, um, but isn't
0: it also a part of this uh, kind of story? You're telling yourself that your behavior is normal um, by being with other people who are displaying the same yeah. um, uh, behavior.
1: No, you're right. It is, but but if if you are the if you are that person in that in that group, you, it won't last for long, because even the people that are doing it at your level will get pissed off with you. Yeah. Okay. You know they'll shun you. Yeah. because you so will you're constantly too-
0: moving so- social circles that's the that's what you're getting at yeah then. you're never stable in one circle no. you're always no.
1: moving around because yeah. you don't yeah you don't want to burn bridges yeah <laughs> you know it, it becomes a, it becomes a tiring a tiring lifestyle yeah yeah you
0: know i'm curious to know as well from your perspective mark if we look at the agaming industry, there are a, a couple of particular positions that are very like socially focused in this industry like Say B2B um, account management, for example, it is a highly socially kind of performing role where you have to be out and entertain your clients <laughs> as much as possible, and um, with that comes a lot of uh, a lot of drinking, a lot of late nights uh, in order to 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 be close to your to your partners. It's a particular culture within the industry, I would say. Is that something you look at and, th- and uh, sometimes and, and think that like do, do you feel that that is kind of like um, how would you say like uh, a recipe for uh, for a potential disaster in in some individuals It's like kind of seeking themselves into that particular position and being offered those opportunities and that lifestyle is mm-hmm. that a potential like risk? Uh, risky behavior or risky roles and so on. Do you see problems in that uh, area as well?
1: I think <clears throat> if if the people that were wishing to hide behind that role as enabling them to be able to drink like that weren't in B2B gaming they'd be in insurance sales or investment banking or, or another industry that allows them to manifest what they wish to behave like <laughs> you know I've seen a marked change in this industry since I've been in it um, you know I think gone are the days where it's everything's about getting hammered with your customers. You know, I think that professionalism has overtaken that now. Um, and you know, with, with the industry growing and becoming more, you know, uh, consolidated and, you know, having to work harder for the same margins, th- there's no time to have a hangover in this industry. You know, <laughs> you take a customer out the next morning, you've got to be following up on what's been discussed at dinner. Um, <clears throat> and the best, People in the industry will be the ones that do do that, yeah. you know. And and if the customer wishes to indulge themselves overnight, then that's the customer's choice. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't actually see it with my own eyes, to be honest with you. Not not at close quarters, anyway. Oh no. um, And like I said, if anything, it's gotten it's gotten a lot better.
0: Yeah, and that that that's a- Hundred percent agree with you on on as well that uh, in, the, in the in the years that I've been in the industry as well, it was very different days in the two thousands than mm. what it is now. Yeah, in the two thousands, everyone was uh, everyone succeeded. Ever, all the companies went well. There wasn't really. Um, it wasn't really possible to see kind of the difference between good and bad companies because everyone was just succeeding at the same time,
1: yeah.
0: and uh, with that came um, came a lot of problems uh, on on the social front for sure. Hmm. I, I can I would still say though that um, uh, when I'm out uh, a lot at the conferences and and um, and some of the activities, we do see um, a lot of especially a lot of younger account managers. I think that feel the pressure. <laughs> Of um, they feel like the uh, the best way to succeed in this role is to be the person who is in the center of everything and uh, and uh, who who can be the uh, the life of the party and so on and they c- they tend to create sometimes that image around them that can be really difficult to escape yeah. because when you are known as the life of the party then you will attract those who are excited about that, you as a person from that perspective. And then it's really difficult to take a step away from that, uh, right, when you I,
1: I couldn't agree more. And, yeah. and even thinking about being that person makes me feel anxious. Like it makes my skin, my palms sweat thinking for that whoever yeah. that person might be. Um, but I think in that sense, you know, maybe they're not getting the right guidance, Yeah, you know, right? If, if, if I was ever in a, in, in a position of responsibility with a team and I had a team member that was doing that, I'd certainly suggest to them there's a different way. Yeah. Um, because I think as I've grown as a person, what, what is life and soul of the party now? For me, it's someone who asks questions, whom, yeah. whom has insights, whom I can learn from um, sat around having a dinner. You know, I have no desires to be around someone who wants me to drink Jager bombs and <laughs> go to a club till five in the morning. And that's not because I'm approaching 50 and it's not because I'm in recovery. I think, <laughs> you know, it's it's because like... A little
0: bit of the approach of 50.
1: Maybe. <laughs> a, a little bit. Or yeah. a lot then, a lot, a lot. It's, it's because I'm approaching 50, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, because it's just boring. Yeah. I, it's just, and also... How 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 much more business are you going to do if you're hammered with someone at that level? Yeah. You're not. No. I'd much rather sit and have a conversation with someone who's got some interesting stories to tell yeah. and learn something than it's been a, a holistically good night. Yeah. yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I, I try to always tell the, the, the younger account managers to... Uh, not get sucked into that culture uh, against their own will, mm. you know, because sometimes there is that pressure that uh, they, they should take that extra step or mm. they should drink uh, even though they don't want to and mm. so on. It's just be yourself, you know, because you're absolutely right. You know, there's this, um, you talked earlier about uh, the um, kind of how you judge yourself and then how you look at other people in the best possible light, let's yeah. say. And um, we are social creatures, right? So we would go to a party, or social situation, and there would be someone who is, the um, who 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 is the life of the party and 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 everyone everyone you feel that everyone is looking up to this person mm-hmm. and you get this um, urge to be just like that yeah. in order to succeed socially. But as you point out, you know if I think as well about the people that I'm most comfortable with in a social situation, it's not necessarily those who are the loudest. No, right? This is those th- those who who can listen to me because yeah, everyone likes to speak and to be listened to and uh, and those you can have interesting conversations with mm. right yeah That's absolutely and i you know of...
1: i've tried it sometimes and you know yeah. try and get people like that on a one-to-one and have a chat with them difficult oh yeah
0: difficult uh, oh very very live on the surface massively
1: there you know there there is a huge barrier there straight away yeah you know it's impossible to have any depth of conversation uh, or learn anything yeah Uh, so personally you know i um you know one of the the things that recovery has given me is the ability to not um take things personally Mm. um but also to be more selective with what i do with my time uh, I think with with this addict, there was a large element of people pleasing about me. Um, so I would say yes to everything, do all the stuff like you, like we were just ch- chatting about. And, and <laughs> what I found fascinating is that as I've changed over the years to to remove that behaviour from my 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 life, nothing's changed. So it didn't work. No one cared. Yep. And no one cares now. You know, which is which is beautifully freeing. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, because we can, you know, be lost in our imaginings of what someone thinks or what someone doesn't think or uh, you know, no one's thinking about me right now. Oh. No one no one gives a shit. Huh. And that and I don't say that in a negative way, it's wonderful. Oh. You know, it's so freeing. I have this much impact on the world. <laughs> this much and and it's about what I can control today, yeah. you know, I can control showing up washed, showered, wearing decent clothes, not as in expect, but you know things without holes in on time with a considerate manner theyre they're they're, they're at my gift, they're in my control, yeah. everything else is out of it, yeah um. But it is practice and takes time yeah for sure and and uh Mark, so can
0: you talk more about when you came out of the twelve step uh, program, so now you have um, gone through this program, you are now a free bird and <clears throat> and Mark is now trying to set up a new life and maintain the structure that you have created through this program. Can you talk about like how like in what what were like the big lessons from the 12-step program that then enabled you to hold on to this uh, new structure afterwards as well rather than to fall back into the edition
1: again? Mm. Um, I think it's really important to to sort of note that I, I will be in the 12-step program for life. Um, I still am in it. I still attend actively. Um, okay. You know, I have mm. um, a sponsor. I have sponsees. You know, I and I think that that is one of the one of the focal points, you know, the anchors in it is is talking. And I think as men, we're not very good at talking about things that matter. Right. You know, I think that there's still a big stigma about men uh, and their place in the world um, and and how we are supposed just to get on with things and not worry and not care and, you know, stiff up, chest out, you know, and all the rest of it. But it, it it's having accountability and, and also being of service and, you know, a great part of what I want to be in my life today is of service. Um, and, and that sounds quite egotistical. I don't mean it to be, it's more about, it's not grand gestures, you know, it's not me going out and, you know, handing out free food. Every, it's just being available for someone if ever they need me, you know, uh, making my time available for someone who is in need. In whatever way that might be. Um, But there are, you know, there are clear principles within recovery that I follow today. And, you know, they are about not wanting to have control over everything because I can't. There's a lot of self-reflection in there. Um, You know, a lot of watching for characteristics within me which are unhelpful to my growth. Selfishness, self-seeking, fear, um, etc. You know, they will come up, um, but the key is for me to quickly write them if they do. Um, saying sorry, <laughs> it sounds small, right? <laughs> but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna annoy people. I know that that's just life. But if I think today, I remember this guy spoke once, and I and I was very interested in what he had to say. And he started off the whole piece by saying, anything that I say, if you take offence to it, that's your fault. And I sort of sat there and I, the night, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, you, I can't give you offense. You have to take it proactively from what I've said. Um, and that really registered with me because I think if I know that my intentions and my motives are good, then I can sleep well at night. You know, if, if I've annoyed someone in some way, then they need to tell me because there's a good chance I won't know, Right. you know, because I'm not trying to. Yeah. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, in, in my case, my girlfriend is very good at telling me that uh, I there's something. Else. So, uh, yes, I can relate. It's, well,
1: it sounds like she's very healthy. I, yeah, sometimes I
0: have no idea about it, but, <laughs> No, of
1: course not. Why yeah. would you? <laughs> yeah. you? I do what now? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it all sounds quite simple stuff, but it, it's not. You know, it's very important stuff. It's intrinsic. And, you know, there's a lot of similarities with the Stoics. You know, the stuff that the Stoics, Marcus Aurelius and, and such you know, their approach to life um, that, that is, you know, tens of thousands of years old now. Um, and, you, you know, I, I, take, I take what works for me, um, but it is about keeping a routine. One thing that I've done ever since day one of walking into, uh, into recovery, um, an old timer, we call them, he was about 70 at the time. And he just used to say this one thing every meeting a relapse starts with an unmade bed. <laughs> so without fail, without fail, every morning for 10 years, I've made my bed. Yep, that's how the day starts. Right? I make my bed, yeah. you know? And, and you know, then there are other pieces around, you know, my discussions with what I believe to be a higher power and my thoughts and what have you. And, and just looking for that guidance and support on on how to operate in a world which is a bit crazy. Mm as a person who's also a bit crazy, you know, and and how best to just just keep my side of the street clean. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not not to worry about what anyone else is doing.
0: So would you say for you, Mark, and for um, people of addiction in general, it is not necessarily that you go through this uh, 12-step program and you are healed necessarily. It is an addiction um, and and an affliction that you're carrying with you for uh, the rest of your life that you just need to do the best to manage and put up defences against, let's say.
1: That's exactly right, yeah. I mean, and that's why this kind of recovery piece works so well because unfortunately, as is such in life, we learn from other people's mistakes, hopefully. And, you know, I've seen encounters where people have had 20 years of sobriety and then they go back out, you know. And, and you learn from what they did wrong, if that makes sense, you know. Um, and oftentimes, you know, people can see sickness in you before you can see it. You know, so again, it's important to stay around this network of people that are going to be honest with you. So, um, are you alright, mate? Because, y- y- you know, you've started wearing like red clothes and <laughs> you know, and you you you've dyed your hair, like you're not alright, are you? <laughs> you know. Um and and it's it's that kind of consistency thing, you know, and and it's just <clears throat> You sort of go from being this self-absorbed, tangled mess of, of chaos to, to being selfless as possible um, and, and open to new thoughts and ideas to, you know, you, you become a receiver rather than a blocker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we discussed this the other time, but, you know, like Alan Watts talks about the, the water, you know, he talks about life like being not, not like clouds, but like, like a lake, like a river. And sometimes it runs smoothly and sometimes there's rocks, you know, and sometimes it's deeper. Um, and, and I, and I think there's a lot to that, you know, there, and, and I think you can learn a lot from a lot of these, these speakers, but, you know, what I, what I also believe strongly is it's, everything's about action. Nothing changes if nothing changes, you know, so I can't sit there and bemoan X if I'm not doing Y about it, you know, um, and and I find it hard when, when others do that. Right. Um, but, I, you know, I'm not the arbiter of their affairs. They have to yeah. do what they need to do.
0: Because it's a good point, I think, that um, a lot of people, they have various problems in their life. And um, listening to inspirational videos or podcasts or reading books uh, is often the, kind of the go-to uh, technique, let's say. But then many people they don't really carry the lessons through into their life. It's a, it makes sense when they listen to it, they mm. feel motivated,
1: but then nothing happens after that, right? That's yeah, the, that's the big thing. Hundred percent. And <clears throat> you know, this isn't about judgment. It's it's about it's about trying to communicate a message that change is possible for everybody. Yeah. But. You have to do things to change. Yeah, it's not gonna be easy. No, it's not, it's hard, man. It's really hard. It's a lot of crying and there's a lot of shaking and there's a lot of doubting yourself and but it's possible. Yeah. You know, you can go from being suicidal to to sitting on a podcast with you. Yeah. You know, it takes <laughs> some years, but but there's no there's no what well, there's no end to this thing that we're doing. No. You know, we we haven't got to get anywhere because we're all going to end up in the same place. Yeah. You know, by nature's call cool this time, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and I just think as long as we are true to ourselves whilst we're here. I mean, if you'd have seen my my bookshelf, I mean, this is before Audible and and all that sort of stuff. I just, I look, I was like one of these stereotypical, like preppy, you know, woke kids back in the day. It was all Paolo Coelho, yeah. you know, and Eckhart Tolle, you know, and you yeah, couldn't, yeah. there's nothing you couldn't tell me about the spirituality. Yeah, 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 you couldn't, there's nothing alchemist. you couldn't tell me about spirituality, because I knew, <laughs> I, I know I knew, right? <laughs> Did, was I doing any of it? Yeah. No, yeah of course not, but I had the books. I believed my own narrative. yeah. Um,
0: it becomes almost like a defense mechanism sometimes, right, with uh, perhaps uh, people with different afflictions uh, mm. that uh, go really deep into that whole, like, um, uh, I think that uh, there's, there's probably a considerable amount of very spiritual people who are perhaps just kind of hiding or create, uh, creating defenses against uh, their own afflictions yeah. by saying the right words. Oh, 100%. Right? They say the right words, but uh, there isn't the action behind that often.
1: I remember who's so funny, a, a guy who I respect massively and, and I've known for years and we, we speak still now. And I remember I was dating a girl at the time and, uh, I was that horrific spiritual guy. Right. I was like, I was like basically Brian out of family guy. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that, that real cliched, horrific prick who you don't want to be anywhere near him. And, um, I, I, I saw him this one night and I said, he said, oh, "Do you know I'm really pissed off?" He said, well, "What was wrong, mate?" I said, "Well, this girl I'm seeing. I said I'm sending all this spiritual stuff, and she's telling me not to. Like, does she not understand? Does she not see? <laughs> just like you know how papal I am." <laughs> and he and he just said to me, he "Went I don't know, mate." He said, uh, "Maybe spiritual people don't talk about it." <laughs> <laughs>
0: Mic drop. Basically,
1: yeah, and and I just think that, the, you know, these little stories of, of ego deflation across yeah. my journey are the things that I still pick up on today, yeah. and that's why I need people around me that I trust, that I can talk to, that can shine a light and hold a mirror up to me yeah. and who I am. Because today what I know to be factual is that I, I'm just flesh and bones, and that I'm, I'm flawed, not yeah. because I'm an addict, but because I'm a human being, and, and intrinsically human beings are flawed. Um, but I'm willing to be better. I'm willing to be shown. I'm willing to be told. Um, you know, and for me the the key is ego deflation.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, to be free of ego for me is peace. Because if I'm free of ego, then I'm not bothered about what someone thinks about me. Yeah. I'm not bothered about the what ifs. I'm not bothered about this or that, you know, and not bothered isn't a negative sense. It's a free of worry thing. Right. Um, I don't have to concern myself, you know, because what's gonna happen is gonna happen as we've established, my control over the world is tiny, you know, but as long as I'm showing up in the right way, then I stand a chance of of finding, of keeping that peace. Right,
0: so being truly comfortable with yourself and confident means that you realize that you are not perfect, Mm. basically, and you're okay with that.
1: 100%, yeah, Yeah, I know I'm not perfect. Mm. Um, And I don't believe there is such a thing as perfection, you know, and I think the strive for perfection is is a wasted journey you know i think it's you against you and you know if i was better than you know i always do a year's reflection you know at the end of at the end of every year i i I journal through the year and at the end of the year i look back over the months and i look and see trying to try and get some trends or some some things that were going on for me so i can be better but i'm not trying to be better than him or her or achieve that and that i'm trying to lean in further to the piece that I'm achieving yeah. because oddly there's a, a direct correlation between really doing the work finding that piece and then f- succeeding yeah whatever success means yeah true you know so 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 mark uh,
0: you work obviously for Bombay mm. uh, here within the Yolo group mm. uh, in the gambling industry mm. and uh, as an um, as a person that come from uh, addiction uh, is that playing with fire a bit to work in the, within the gambling industry. Is that something you think about? Uh, and uh, how do you make sure that you don't perhaps uh, change one addiction for another addiction? It's, it's a very good question.
1: Um, and I have already done that. Um, you know, I have gambled a lot. Um, I, but I realized it wasn't for me. Hmm. You know, it, it just wasn't for me. Um, <clears throat> but like, I, you know, I had to try it obviously yeah just to see yeah um but no you know it's, it's, it's important to 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 take gambling addiction very seriously you know because obviously the industry we work in and you know i think that just like alcohol addiction or drug addiction or whatever you know it, it's a minute percentage of, of the global uh, total of people that do it that are addicted to it um and you know from what i've seen working in the industry i see nothing to suggest to me that the industry is trying in inverted commas to create gambling addicts no way that's not the facts conversely when you can buy alcohol from a petrol station on the a1 in england i would argue differently about the way it's run uh, when it comes to alcohol um you know alcohol seems to get away scot-free uh, from everything right um but you know i think that gambling addiction is something that that, that will be prevalent because there is addictions all over the place um, but from what I see, again, you know, it's in, the, the companies put in, in place things to 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 stop it. Yeah. Um, but as as with I was when I was in in active alcohol addiction, I I would have found alcohol anywhere, and yeah. and people will bet up two flies racing up a wall if they want to. Yeah. yeah. You know.
0: Yeah. If uh, you truly, like, if you are truly addicted to gambling yeah. or to alcohol you'll find your way to the bottom or you'll you find will. your way to the, yeah. to the
1: gambler and, and quite honestly they probably aren't going online either I mean I think nowadays you have to do enough KYC and DD to you know to get on or get money out or what have you it's, it's, it's difficult now to do yeah. that yeah. Um, they're more likely to go to a local you know um, casino or whatever it might be yeah. um, but they can recover too you know but they have to unfortunately get to their rock bottom yeah and yeah. Um, You know, if if that's their affliction.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Is there... um, So, so Mark, you know, you've um,
0: been part of the 12-step program for a long time. You've been speaking to a lot of uh, other individuals with uh, different form of addictions. Uh, Is there a way for you... Like, do you spot someone who is in, in, in trouble if you see them on the street or if you are in the same room with them? Is there a different way of movement or how they speak or how they act that uh, that you can sense uh, as a potential someone who is not in the in the, in the best place it,
1: it it might sound slightly mm. contrived but yes yeah i can certainly sense someone whom whom is is struggling you know and, and i think that i recognize the energy you know someone's energy and it might not mean that they're they're struggling with the same thing that i struggle with but you know i see i do see people um, when they're out and about, and I think mm, yeah. I hope you hope you find peace because yeah. you're not peaceful right now. Yeah. You know it's, it's it's tough to watch. Yeah. Um, but and that's why I almost put my neck on the line by doing these sorts of things in order that, that if one person sees it and they're the one that's struggling, that they know that they can also feel better. Yeah. You know that that's that's it. You yeah, know, and that. I think that. The number of conversations that I had about mental health and how open places need to be about mental health, that same thing isn't the same about addiction. Um, And maybe that's because, you know, the the 12-step recovery programs always have anonymous after the names. (laughs) Um, But I, I think that, you know... A lot of the the celebrity culture now is such that they're very open about their addictions, and and I think that that gives people the opportunity for it to be feeling a bit normal, yeah. to to be an addict. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you you know when you know, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Are, are there any um, any misunderstandings perhaps uh, from the general public about addiction?
1: It's very difficult to know what people's thoughts on it are. Um, I mean, there's certainly misunderstandings about it from those that come into recovery.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, I I hear very often that, you know, I think the thing about the room of recovery is you can have uh, a high court judge sat next to a street drinker, sat next to a football player, you know, addiction doesn't discriminate. Mm. And you don't need to be drinking from morning till night to be defined as an alcoholic. You know, you could be a binge drinker, you know, you could be someone whom drinks too much for you, you know, drinks too much, much more than you did a year ago. You know, there's, there's no scale to it. It's what's, it's your pain. How much is your pain?
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and that pain is relative to you. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. And
0: uh, what would you say, uh, Mark, like through, course of your life and going through the addiction to then uh, recovering, what are perhaps some of the more important lessons that you've learned uh, along the way through all of this? Wow, that is uh, good for others to know as well.
1: Um, well, I mean, there is help. You yeah. can you can recover. We we can recover and we do recover. Um, you're not alone. Um, you know, if you if you're feeling like you are you know, a wrong or you're not, you, you're not, you're not a bad person. You're just not well. Um, addictions a mental illness, it's not a stigma. Um, and, and things that I didn't realize that I would need to know is that, you know, um, I'm not important, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, my, my problems exactly. aren't important. I, I, not that I don't matter because I do matter to the people that love me, but um, the world isn't against me. The world doesn't want me to to fail, you know. I can make myself fail, um, you know. And I think be willing to learn, be open to to learning and to criticism, um, because it's not criticism in the in the sense of the word criticism. It's somebody pointing out a flaw in you, which you would probably do better if you didn't have it, mm. you know um and I'm open to that all the time you know if someone wants to tell me that I'm doing something in a way that could be done better then I'm, I'll happily take that yeah. um just be teachable yeah you know I think we can arrive at a point in life where we feel that we've had enough experiences to 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 have known all we need to know yeah but it's when you take your foot off that pedal you learn something that you didn't think you needed to know you know yeah. um and also I think that having more of a an open mind towards there being some some kind of uh power greater than ourselves is really important as well yeah whether that's whatever that is for you as an individual yeah, yeah absolutely and so so mark
0: you've talked about uh, as well that you are actively um helping other addicts uh, to to recover uh, as well can you talk a little bit more about that work that you are doing and um for if anyone is listening today who perhaps uh, could uh, use your or someone help. Mm. Um, can you talk a little bit more about uh, just the help that you're providing no, people? Of course, I mean, people? It,
1: in order to stay well like I have to give what I was freely given away. Um, if I keep hold of it and do nothing with it then I'm just pissing on what I was given for free. So that's my job to, to give it to other people. I think what's really important is that, you know, just because I'm open about my position in, in recovery, I never would talk about anybody else. I never mention anyone else, you know, not to anyone, you know, that's the anonymity of it. It's my choice to break my anonymity in order to hopefully help someone else that feeling lost. Um, but it's really just being there as, uh, to support someone, you know, at the end of a telephone if they need it, but also practically to go through, you know, some strong work with them to, to that I was shown. Uh, not not my own stuff the stuff that i was shown when i first came into recovery um and how it's helped me and how maybe that can help them if they so wish Mm. you know um it's it's just having someone there that's without judgment yeah yeah you know
0: and and just a a last question uh, today it is to to start wrapping things up um i just want to kind of think about this for a little bit that um a lot of a lot of people who potentially are addicts, um, do they know everything like do, do, does every addict know in the back of their mind that uh, that they are addicts, or do or are there also people who are living in addiction who are are very good at masking it for themselves? And if that is the case, can you talk just a little bit more about? Kind of these common denominators. And you spoke earlier about uh, the uh, kind of uh, the lies that you tell yourself in order to feel that uh, yeah, but this is okay, this behavior. Or actually, you know, here's an addict over here, and he's displaying that behavior. I don't have that, so you know, what I'm doing uh, every weekend is is okay. And so, can you just talk a little bit more about that, perhaps, to the people who aren't necessarily recognizing in themselves that they are addicted uh, personalities?
1: I mean. I think that those who don't yet realize if they are, you know, it it either hasn't got painful enough for them yet, but, Mm. you know, if you look, I find my experience tells me that that addicts are extremely uh, driven, extremely hungry, Um, and you only have to look at, you know, the industries in which we find addicts. You don't become an addict because you're a rock star. You become a rock star because you're an addict, (laughs) right? You know, that's why there's a litany of rock stars in in recovery, because we are predisposed as, as addicts to be fearless. To, you know, it, having our condition means that we are likely to take more risks than someone without it. Yeah. You know, there is a spectrum there somewhere. You know, athletes, certainly football players from back in the day, there's a lot of them. I mean, quite how you manage to play Premier League football and be an addict is just beyond me. <laughs> but but it's there. Um, uh, and I think that, you know, that it, it's not for anyone to tell someone else that they are or aren't something. No. It's for someone to find out themselves and realize it for themselves. But I think with any behavior that, that starts to impact upon not just your life, but your life, the life of those around you is unhealthy and needs to be looked at. Um, whether that's overeating, overworking, over training, over collecting cars, over anything that's obsessive, you know? Um, mm. and I think that the, it, it, you know, it's another rock bottom thing. Yeah. You know, if for example, you, you have a, you drink too much water, let's say, I don't know, just an example, you know, Yeah. I drink 74 liters of water a day. I mean, <laughs> there's a problem there, right? You know, yes. you know, or I drink all these, these, uh, power aids and, you know, <laughs> Like,
0: <laughs> Guilty as charged uh, here, but they are sugar-free at least. So. <laughs> well,
1: you can tell yourself that. Yeah, that's quite beautiful denial. Love that. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, listen, you know, it's it, it, it's no one's it's no one's judgment, and it's everyone else's journey of their own. Um, but 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 you know what I know is that I can still be obsessive about things, you know, I and and the most banal of things. Like you know outside you asked me how my weekend was um the the bit that we didn't have the opportunity for me to tell you how pleased I was is that I managed to clean the house for about 4 hours <laughs> 4 hours I I don't live in Buckingham Palace right <laughs> Do You know what I mean You know I stick my headphones on off I go yeah, you know yeah, I get yeah, the gloves yeah, on there's bleach on everything I'm mop- everything's mopped everything's swept What a guy But guy. but it's it's obsessive yeah. it's not healthy it's yeah. ridiculous it's it's you know my partner laughs at me about it yeah
0: but but that's part of how your addiction manifests yeah so it's gonna it's going to for you it's still going to manifest in a different way absolutely yeah you just need to pay very close attention to how
1: it manifests and and for me the key is to acknowledge stuff like that Mm. i can't sit and sit in denial and pretend to myself that it's healthy to clean a house which don't need four hours worth of cleaning (laughs) for four hours yeah it's not right you know but that's, that's, the, that's the honesty that comes with being in recovery. It's that I don't have to be defensive about stuff anymore. You know, I don't have to sit and hold on to things which protect me yeah. because I have nothing to, to need to be protected from, yeah. you know. Um, but, you know, people will know if there's something wrong. But they just don't want to admit it to themselves, yeah. There's something. There's that kernel, that uncomfortability that's always there, yeah. you know, and... If you're hopping from one thing to the next thing to the next thing quite frequently then that's also a, a you know a marker you know Do right.
0: uh, yeah. you like the consistency essentially the, the yeah exactly yeah
1: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah because consistency is boring for an addict it's really yeah. boring mm-hmm. you know one of the things that I remember about being in active addiction was like the the unknown the excitement I could end up anywhere
0: yeah
1: you know and very very often I did
0: yeah
1: but I crave consistency and, and, and stability and structure. Yeah. Now, yeah. you know, and for me, and that's,
0: that's the antidote. That's, a, that's the opposite.
1: Yeah, yeah, completely the opposite. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it stops being about substances and drink very early on in recovery, very very early on. Very easy to stop doing what you were doing, drinking or drugging. It's very hard to stay stopped and look at yourself and change your behaviours.
0: Yeah, and that's where you need the, like the structure in life, a stable job to go to every day. Yeah. Make the bed every morning.
1: Yeah.
0: Eat healthy food. Exactly. And, and, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah,
1: and, exactly that. Yeah. But again, with 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 consistency, but not with obsessiveness. Right. You know, and 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 I I can get obsessive about things, mm-hmm. um, and and again, in in my little world, it's massive, mm-hmm. but in the big world, it's nothing. You know, and often I find with talking about things and, you know, you hear about talking therapy and I know it's not very cool for a man in nearly 50 to do talking stuff, but it takes the power out of it. Mm. You know, it it means nothing once you say it out loud or journaling, writing things down, because then you get to look at it as a third person observer. So it's almost like it's your thoughts lie to you. We tell ourselves a narrative which defends our position that we want to take. So... If you talk to someone about it, someone you trust, someone who's kind, but honest, you'll very quickly get the answer, (laughs) you know? And I always think as well, people have asked me many times, do you think I'm an alcoholic? Um, And and my response is, I couldn't possibly say, I said, but I think you do, Hmm. you know? Because if you're asking whether you've got a problem, there's a chance that you probably have a problem,
0: Yeah,
1: you know? um but that's that's great it's not the end of the world it's the start of a new world yeah you know in anything yeah yeah yeah
0: brilliant mark uh it's been fantastic to have you on uh, here, mark, uh thank you for sharing the story of course and for being open and honest and um uh, like i said if if anyone is listening to this who uh who uh, would like to uh, um ask more questions directly mm. they can reach out to you I please suppose.
1: please 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 do there's there's resources online but you know As I said, this is about confidentiality and anonymity, which sounds strange considering I'm here talking about it. But, you know, that's my decision to break my anonymity, and I would never do it to anyone else. So uh, if anyone's struggling, you don't have to. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Thanks so much, Mark. Thank you so much, Pierre, for giving me the time. Uh, Anytime.